This is Talk is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Yeti. Thank you Sitka Gear and Yeti for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. Well, actually, last time, the last couple of times we recorded with you, I think they were from the house and we had the guest appearance from Louise. And uh, so I feel pretty privileged that we actually get into the studio this time. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah, this is this is our shock therapy set, actually. So it's it, it, normally I think we have more sponsor stuff in the background. I can't even see it's behind me there, but uh yeah, this is where we we film shock therapy. Fantastic. So now, you know, there's a big avatar there, a big poster of Call Me Hunter. Let's uh, let's go right into that. I want to hear all about it. I'm really excited about that novel. I can't wait. And I'm a big Jack Carr fan, as I know you are. And and uh, I'll tell you, I'll be lined up for the shocky novels coming out here. So let's talk Call Me Hunter. <laughs> yeah, Jack Carr. They, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was actually a, a whole bunch of stories about Jack, but I, I was, and that, that's his pen name, by the way. Um, so I, I knew him for quite a while. John Dubin of the Pineapple Brothers down in Hawaii, the the um, Access Deer Outfitter, that's who introduced me to, to Jack. And I'll, I'll use his pen name. But uh, I was standing with him when he received the call from Chris Pat, Pratt saying, I'm optioning Terminal List. It's going to be a movie or, you know, made for primetime, whatever series. So I was standing right there. I mean, it was it was so exciting to, you know, there, it's, I mean, it's Chris Pratt on the phone. Uh, and, and you know, for Jack, that, that was a dream come true. Just getting the novel out, but then having it obviously optioned for, for television. It was pretty cool. It was a, a bit of a celebration that night. Um, the... Um, Another interesting thing about him, he's he's a good guy. He's just a good guy. And and uh, when I wrote my novel back then, when we were you know when I when we were first meeting, I was telling him you know that's a dream of mine is is to write a novel. And I said I'm working on one right now. Um, in fact, I I wrote the first lines of of Call Me Hunter back in 1993 or 96 somewhere in there. Um, you know, Javago's dead. I killed him. That's the opening lines. And uh, I told him that I was going to be sitting down pretty quick because I'd made a plan to stop international travel. And I was going to get that novel out of my head. Uh, so so you know, I was so excited for him that, that uh, he actually had his novel out. So he said, he told me, well, when you get it done, send it to me, uh, which I did. And, and I'll tell you in, in the writing world the literary world an author just never passes on uh, someone else's novel or work or manuscript to their agent they they just don't do it or to the to the publisher because it's kind of a i mean the odds of someone writing a novel of that quality are pretty slim um and and you don't want to be the one that sends you know wastes X amount of your agent's time. I mean, my agent, Emily Bessler, you know, she does 12 novels a year and she gets a thousand a week. So imagine how much reading that is. And to, to add that to her workload, 
novelists just never do it. But uh, when I sent it to Jack and I was on his his podcast, um, oops, <laughs> hang on a second. You're, you're you're in my regular life here. Hey, hey Tom, I got I got to phone you right back. I'm on a podcast right now. You're you're live on on podcast. <laughs> Talk to you. Um, I'll turn my phone off now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so. I sent it to Jack, my finished manuscript, and I was on his podcast. He read it for the podcast, and he was over the moon, loved it, just said, holy cow. And he told me, you know, privately as well that he read it as, you know, as a published author, thinking about how this would be in, in, uh, if it came out in a, in a book form. And every chapter he analyzed, and he said it was, he said it was good. Um, and he was the one that, passed it on to Emily Bessler. I was trying to get to her from every single angle. She's she's like the rock star of of editing. So she's not even an agent. She's she's way above that. She's not not for all the agents out there, I don't mean to be disparaging, but uh Emily Bessler is the rock star of editing. Like I say, she does about 12 books a year, has her own division at Simon and Schuster. And Jack passed my book on to her, which is crazy, never done, but it speaks volumes of, of what kind of a man he is. You know, he, he's one of us. He's common sense. He's a good guy that wants to help other people. And and uh, if he can, he does. And, and uh, you know, where so many in that world just don't, they can't, you know, it's not, it's kind of not protocol, but he went above and beyond the call and, and, uh, and promoted my book to, to Emily Bessler, who, because of all the different angles I was using to try and get to her, she, she, she knew, you know, instead of just filing me off on the side, she suddenly, you know, listened and read it and loved it. And, and uh, we signed a book deal the instant she finished reading it. And, and she told me the other day that they're the, the um, angle they're using for the marketing that I'm the Canadian Jack Carr. So it's oh, kind wow. of, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm going, holy cow, that's, <laughs> that's, now my book's totally different. I obviously wasn't a, a Special Forces SEAL team member like Jack was, uh, but I was a hunter and I was an art dealer. And that's what my book is about. The whole underlying theme is the underground of the art world. And it's about this museum, um, but it's not a hunting novel. It's not about hunting, even though the title is Call Me Hunter, the main character's name well, main character, the anti-hero's name is, well, I don't want to give it away. Anyway, it, it's not, it's not a hunting novel, but, uh, but let's just say it's got a very strong theme of pro hunting. Very so, cool. Yeah. So, so it's, it's been, I mean, a year and a half since Emily Besser and I signed the contract and I was, couldn't disclose that, uh, for almost a year. So it's, uh, we've been working on the edits anytime you want to get into the details of writing i can give everybody an earful now because i <laughs> i understand what the process is all about so with that process is it has it been rewarding so you created this baby this is uh, your vision and of course you went over it iter of times throughout the process just creating the original document but obviously it went off to emily and and it's taken a i'm sure a different form and it, obviously the meat and potatoes is the same but a lot of the garnishes have been altered with time. 
is it menacing? Is it rewarding? Uh, is it, uh, how does it feel when you kind of go through that process? <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the monetary side right now. It feels like I've made about a dollar 50 an hour on this book, <laughs> yeah. which, uh, you know, for the amount of hours that goes into it, but it, it's not about, it's not about the money. I mean, it, you know, you said it's like your baby. Well, babies cost a lot of money and they, you know, you do it because you, you want to, and you, you love the baby. So, so it's not about the money, although I, I have to say the, you know, I, I signed a, an advance. It's a two book deal and the advance was a big advance. Um, so I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, you know, tiniest world's tiniest violin here. So I, nobody should be feeling <laughs> too bad for me. Um, but yeah, was it worth it? It was something that I think I was destined to do. And, it, you know, I, I was, I waited until I had a story to tell before I wrote the story. Um, I started my first novel when I was 10 years old. I had my little pages and I was writing on it and I would hide the my manuscript behind some loose bricks in our, in our house on 18 Harrison Crescent. I'm sure when they renovate the place though, in fact, they did find one of my time capsules that I hit. I, I was just, that's how my brain worked. even as a kid, uh, mm -hmm. the people were renovating inside and they found a, uh, a time capsule with, with some of my old, whatever I thought was important when I was 10, 12 years old. Uh, so my manuscript, I hid in the, behind a brick. Um, and I realized right off the bat that I, I just didn't have a story to tell you, you know, at 10 years old, I could barely write. Uh, you know, I'd read Hunter by J.A. Hunter and thought, okay, I can do that. And, you know, apparently I haven't been on, an, you know, 500 elephant hunts and <laughs> a thousand rhino hunts. So I, I really didn't have a story to tell. So I, I, I uh, started again in 90, about 91, um, wrote another novel. Um, it was called The Lordly. And I submitted it to Doubleday. It got in the top 10 out of 2000, but they only published three of those 10. And that I didn't have any connections to, to try and get my name known and, and, and uh, pull any strings. So uh, it got turned down and, and, and I just kept it. I've actually revisited it recently and it's probably a good thing. It didn't get published. You know, it, it needs, it need, I still hadn't lived life enough and I hadn't honed my craft enough, but um, in 96, like I said, I penned the first line of first two line, or in fact, the first chapter of, of uh, call me Hunter and um Put it aside because I still hadn't lived life enough. But uh, just 2019 October, when I stopped my international travel, Mozambique was my last trip, and I decided that in 2016 because I was booked out that far in advance. Um, I picked up, I you know, I, my reason I stopped international travel was to sit down, pick up that chapter that had started 20 years before, and um, and finish it. So that that's what I did, and the COVID hit right away, and so I just sat and wrote. But yeah, you know, back to your original question, you know, basically the essence of your question is it worth it? Absolutely, absolutely. And and um, I think on a, on a the bigger picture on that, it will give us it'll open doors that have been closed to us for sixty years now into mainstream media. You have to play their game. I mean, you have to. We we tend to go up on our mountain and let live and let live, you know, nothing, you know, we'll just, why worry about it? Those people, I don't get what's going on in the world, but 
but um, you know, I'm not going to make a bunch of waves. I'm just going to continue to live like I, I did. But they're taking that away from us. And I think we have to, at this point now, we really have to start playing their game, and which means you know, they, they respect successful novelists. I mean, they do. So they're they're going to give you access to mainstream media if the novel is a, a success. And once they do that, then we can start, you know, talking or promulgating our, our narrative, which has been, you know, we've been vilified and marginalized and ostracized for decades now. Uh, no access to mainstream media. Well, this will hopefully be a catalyst that opens that door. If it, if it's successful financially for these publishers, uh, because they know what they're getting into. I, my history is my history. I, I, you know, there's no denying it. Google me. You, you can't not know what I am or what I've done and what I stand for. So they're taking a chance. It's a big chance. And if they, you know, like Jack, they did with Jack Carr, look at his books, you know, his, his guy is a hunter, his main character, Reese. And, and, uh, it's successful, hugely successful. So they're looking now for other alternatives, you know, to Jack Carr and, and more of it. And if it's successful too, I, I honestly think that, you know, that could be the catalyst that that turns this, you know, this pendulum swings, starts swinging the other way. But we have to support it as hunters. We have to support Jack Carr. We have to support my novel. And I don't care about the money. It's not about the money. We're giving everything away anyway, or, or I just got the lawyer's um, email about the foundation we've created to donate our land, the building, the contents of our museum, and an endowment to cover expenses for 40 years. That's all in place now. We're giving it away. So this isn't about money, but it is about success. And those people in New York City, if they're making money, they're going to allow more books like this, and they're going to give us more press, and they're going to allow us to voice our opinions on mainstream media because it makes the money and and we need to support these things uh as hunters if, if every hunter went out and bought this book even if they didn't read it just you know send it to their aunt or uncle for christmas that's enough to put it on the bestseller list and and they have to listen to that they will listen to it and they'll give us a voice so that's really what my end game is 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 um to be a, a a bigger voice for hunters and for hunting. Well, you've definitely done that, Jim. It's interesting uh, through our one campfire platform, which is talking to the non-hunter. We just had a message yesterday and like, just talk to Jim shock. you like, well, yeah, we've talked to Jim and, and, uh, and you've, you've done such a great job of articulating our story as hunters and, and connecting with the mainstream media. And, and, and it's been an evolution too, right? Your earlier stuff wasn't as honed as it is today. And today it's so polished on what you do. And, uh, um, but Jim, I wanted to talk a little bit about with Call Me Hunter. So um, pre-sales on now, people can pick it up if they're interested on the pre-sale, uh, but it will be, when will they start shipping? When's it going to be in our hands? It, it will, the release date is October 17th. So okay. right now, if you Google Call Me Hunter, you're going to, I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. The Amazon, Barnes and Noble chapters, everybody has it. And, and you can pre-order it now. Uh, it's actually the pre-orders that determine the final run volume and, and also whether a book gets on the bestseller list. So, uh, you know, if I go buy a thousand books to sell in our museum, that doesn't count for anything. It, it, it's the, it's the Barnes and Nobles, the Amazons, the chapters, 
when people buy from those companies, that's what determines the bestseller list or whether a book makes it. Uh, it also ensures that you're going to get a copy on that on that date because that's the date it's going to hit the bookstores across North America, uh, internationally too. I, I it, it um, you know they don't keep me apprised of every sale, but Bulgaria, the biggest publisher in Bulgaria, bought a, a pile of copies. Uh, it'll be translated into at least one other language, so I'll be an internationally published author at that point, different mm -hmm. languages. And I don't know what other countries have already. You know, jumped on the bandwagon, but but yeah, if, if the hunters go in and pre-order it now, that that's going to make a a difference on on where this book gets placed on on the shelves of bookstores. Uh, you know how much promotion they're going to put into it. So yeah, pre-orders are are very very important. Uh, and like I say, it ensures someone will get their order ahead of time. Do they give you any feedback on what kind of numbers they're seeing in the pre-orders, or is it just it's I haven't rhythm. seen I haven't seen the numbers on the pre-orders at this point. Um, I know that they've told me that they're planning to print 125,000 copies, which is unheard of. I mean that that for a first-time novelist and a Canadian to boot, uh, they just don't do that. Uh, you know, it's Stephen King. He'll get 125,000 or maybe 250 or 300,000, but they know his book's going to sell two million copies. Uh, first-time novelist, 125,000. That's the number that they're using also to let the bookstores know and, and Amazon know that this is a book that they have uh, high expectations for. Uh, Mark Sullivan, uh, I think online actually right now, if you go to Amazon and go to uh, uh, reviews or something like that, or general reviews, uh, Mark Sullivan, who's had several bestsellers, number one bestsellers on the New York Times list. He got a copy of the advanced reader copy, um, and he compared it to uh, Da Vinci Code, which, uh, again, writers just don't do that. Uh, mm -hmm. Cole Hauser actually uh, gave a, a pretty darn good review, and, and uh, as well as uh, Rick Hansen, Man in Motion, you know, Canadian. Um, so the the advanced reader copies are just starting to trickle out now. That goes to people that are influencers. In fact, I don't even think, I think those were maybe digital forms and the actual advanced reader copies will be going out, um, I think in June, but uh, you know, it's kind of above my pay grade. I'm just the author. Uh, <laughs> but, but then you'll start to see more of the, you know, the promotion. We have a marketing with all the big wigs uh, at Simon & Schuster in early June. Today, actually, after this podcast, I have a Zoom call with the with the uh, audiobook team at Simon & Schuster because they, they're planning to do a pretty fancy audiobook that had seven different characters that were, you know, going to re read each of the parts. Um, so that's what this call is this afternoon. I, I I'm I'm a, I'm kind of this way or that way on that. I I, I like. Um, What's his name? Brick, Brick, uh, who does the um, Clive Custler novels. But I think I need to read one of the parts personally, which I'd have to figure out how to pronounce all the names. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's the, uh, you know, the place names. I, I mean, I know how to write them, but I don't know. Uh, but anyway, the, the, that that call will come right after your podcast here, a Zoom call. And that's, that's a big deal. They're also doing Kindle book. I mean, they're going full steam on this. 
A couple questions for you. Do you think part of this big run, obviously that, you know, they've bought in, in big to the novel, they believe in it, they've seen it and they have high hopes for it. Is some of it your celebrity? Uh, you know, you're already a well-known uh, public figure, uh, tons of influencers and followers, and you're really well-connected. Do you think that's part of it or is it exclusively just like, this is such a good novel, we're 100% confident it's going to do well? That's a good question. And, and I will certainly bring that up at the, uh, when we have that marketing meeting, marketing advertising meeting in early June. Uh, I, I think there has, that has to have some weight in their decision for sure. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Because hunters, we, we tend to just hang on our own and do our thing up in the mountains and, and in the forests and woods. And we're not, we're not big on jumping on any bandwagons. You know, we don't, we just are who we are. And, and for hunters to make the effort to purchase this novel means they have to make the effort. And, and, you know, <laughs> it's just not our style. You know, it's not our style. We, we live and let live and okay. I'm, I know what I have in my world. And, and um, I mean, I'm hoping that, that in this case, it's we're going to prove them wrong that we are passionate about supporting you know, one of our own and and uh, and letting the world know that we're not we have we have numbers. We, you know, we know why the politicians don't listen to us. And I was told by a politician, this is the reason because you guys don't vote. Mm -hmm. Hunters don't vote. Outdoors people don't vote. They don't, they, they don't, they don't be counted. And, and that's why they don't bother to, to cater to us. They don't listen to us. Why would we, you know, you guys will, you'll sign a petition, but then it goes away and, and then you're back in the woods and, and that's the end of that. So then we can punch through whatever we want legislation that, that basically, again, using the word vilifies us you know, turns us trying to make us look like criminals. And, and why? Because we don't stand up and be counted. We don't make our, our voices heard. So the politicians don't care. They don't care. You, you know, we need to, we need to vote. We need to get together and vote and not, not for the parties that promise us, you know, the world and, and, you know, Disneyland and, and exotic dancers, you know, that's not the party you want to vote for. You want to vote for the one that's actually going to look after what we truly love, not the one that's going to give us an extra dollar an hour a year. What are you going to spend it on if they give you a dollar an hour? You know, more holidays. What, what are you going to do on your holiday if they've taken away everything you love? So we need to start prioritizing what we, the, the parties that we vote for and, and actually vote and get out there and show that if we vote en masse as a block, we can actually control the outcome of every single election, municipal, provincial, federal. There's enough of us. We just have to stop being divided and and uh, and start getting along. I, I spoke at the uh, BC Wildlife Federation annual uh, meeting uh, just recently, and, and that's why I said I think I saw you there and. Were you there? I, I can't. I was there earlier, but I'd left before you spoke, unfortunately. So oh, okay. Yeah, then it was somebody it. came up to me and said you were there, but uh, but you know that's what I said. We need to get along. You know the BC Wildlife Fed, the Outfitters, 
the First Nations, you know, all the user groups need to work together uh, to protect what we love. And and uh, if we work together, the results are, yeah, we we will determine the outcome of elections. And that means they're not going to be able to shove this absolutely absurd C-21 bill down our throats, you know, if we just vote and, and stand up. So, so again, back, I'm, I'm prophesizing here, but back to the original comment, uh, whether they, uh, you know, chose the number of books to be printed because of my celebrity. And I don't look at myself as a celebrity at all, but, uh, yeah, that probably had to have paid, it had to have played some part in their decision on the number of books. And they're hoping that, you know, my fan base, I hate using those words because I'm just, I'm just a hunter, I, I, literally just a hunter like you, like everybody listening. It's just, I had a camera following me around for all those years and, and a, and a word processor typewriter to begin with telling stories. But uh, I think they're probably counting on the hunter showing up for this, this party. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, we'll have to do our job to, to share that. And I've seen you promoting it and I, you know, we're a little remiss. We should have been sharing it too. And, uh, but we'll, we'll change that in the next couple of days here. So, um, uh, one thing you mentioned a two book deal. So call me Hunter, uh, is this other novel, is it penned? Is it in the mind? Like what's, what's the plan with that? Every single minute that I have where my brain can stop doing what my normal daily chores are. That's what I think about. Uh, I have not started. Well, I shouldn't say I haven't started writing it, but, but I, yeah, you know, I don't want to say that it's at a point where anybody can even read any parts of it because you're not a writer. Then you're a writer, writes, You finish it and, and then you let people read it. So I'm working on it. Uh, and I, I'm sorting through the, the plot lines and, and the, uh, you know how I'm gonna how I'm gonna write a book as good as the first one. That that's my biggest fear. Actually, I re, I read Call Me Hunter and go, holy cow! I mean, I I wrote that and I'm gonna <laughs> have to follow it up with something. And I I just detest the idea of producing something that's not as good as as the first one. I, I mean, how many sequels have you ever seen? besides the Godfather, you know, that, that were good. I mean, they're, they're eyewash. Uh, they're just not as good ever. And I, I, I've never done that in my life. I've never gone backwards. And I, I really don't want to go backwards on this next one. So I want it to be as good as the first one. And I know people are, that haven't read it are going, well, you know, you're just judging your own work. But, but I, you know, I, it's good. I mean, it's it's good, and I read it, and I go, "Wow, I, I don't know if I can live up to the to that standard for a second novel." But I'm sure going to do my best, and I think about it every waking minute, so that I'm not that my brain's not in overdrive. So very yeah, cool, working on so it. So when when you went and met with Simon and Schuster, and you guys negotiated a contract, was it them driving the bus? They said, "We want a sequel." Or is it you said, hey, would you consider a sequel? How does something like that evolve? Is it? I'm guessing they're the ones that were wanting wanting you to do it, or how how did that? Yeah, evolve? no, no. I, I was just with my agent uh, Esther Fedorkovich. I was I was. She's a big time agent too. She gets a thousand manuscripts a month. Um, I I just wanted Call Me Hunter 
on the bookshelves. And they were the ones that came up or between Esther and them came up with the two book deal. Uh, and unfortunately, Eva, who published her first novel or hers as a, as a autobiography, um, uh, taking aim, her advance was the same as my advance, but I have to write two books. She only had to write <laughs> one, but, but autobiographies get a higher, they actually get a higher, uh, higher dollar value than, uh, than novels. Novels is a tough one to write. If you hit it right, commercial novels are, are, uh, or commercial fiction is the highest paying of all of them. But, but although uh, Jordan Peterson probably would argue with that, He's doing pretty good, I think, with his millions and millions of copies sold. But, is, um, yeah, you know, my, I tried to get him to increase my advance by $1 just so I could go to even say, yeah, my advance was bigger than yours. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I was obfuscating because, you know, mine was a two-book deal. Hers was a one-book deal. Yeah, fair enough. So, Jim, you know, your story in itself is intriguing. You've done more in the world of hunting than anyone that most people are aware of, uh, arguably than anyone ever. Um, what would you do an autobiography? Cause honestly, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm lined up to read call me Hunter for sure. But honestly, if I had to pick between the two, I would probably pick the autobiography first. <laughs> yeah. I, I, here's what people don't realize. I've got four books waiting in the wings right now to be public self-published <laughs> okay. um there, one is bear guiding stories yeah, yeah and those are stream of consciousness i'm not going to call that literature at all it's just stories uh, that's ready to go to design i've got two humor books that are they're basically rewrites of all my humor stories over all those years that i wrote uh, i mean i wrote columns i wrote wrote under pen names Ace Tadler, that was me. You know, th those are those humor stories. I've got two volumes that are fully edited, ready for design. Uh, I've got another one that's um, it's uh, Louise's and my life story. So that life story, it, it's the history of Louise and I. And I wrote that over this last year. Um, as, as many of you know, Louise has been going through a pretty rough time bad diagnosis a year and a half ago, which they gave her three months to live, six to nine months with chemo, and, and it's a year and a half now. So it's been a rough year, and, and I wrote stories about Louise and my upbringing, and uh, that's an autobiography to a degree, you know, oriented towards answering questions about our lives. Uh, that is in the edit process right now, so the copy edit process so it'll be ready for design fairly quickly. There's, so there's four books that I intend to self-publish uh, once Call Me Hunter is out and if it's successful. Um, who knows? Maybe the bigger publishers will take those books at that point, which will give it an even greater reach. I'm not sure. But I'm holding them back. It's more important to reach, to, to be successful in commercial fiction, to reach a wider audience. Right now I can publish the bear diaries book and, and, uh, and the humor books into our world, but I'm preaching to the converted already. We're not mm -hmm. reaching outside of our world with that marketing. I'm hoping that call me Hunter will put it on a different plane, a different level. So those books will then go you know, to a greater mass market. Uh, 
so that's why I'm holding off on those. Uh, and also back to your question, the autobiography, my, I kept journals religiously through my life. Just my journals on Africa alone were over a million words. So that is all being edited right now as we speak. We, I've got it down to uh, 180,000 words, which is still like a super thick novel. Um, we're trying to get it down to 125,000 of just the, the, my travels and, and times in Africa, adventures in Africa, uh, to a point where it's it's a readable size for people as opposed to a, a big, you know, five-volume tomb. But um, that's just Africa. And that, next we'll go on to Asia. Uh, after that, North America and, and then South America and the South Pacific. We'll probably combine some of those. So back to your question, the, the autobiographies are coming. It's really important to get the commercial fiction uh, successful before those get published. It'll give us a bigger reach and, and our voice, our messaging, our narrative, will be able to spread that message in mainstream media if that first commercial fiction, that's the tough one. That's the hard one. The autobiographies I could do in my sleep, I could watch TV and do those. But uh, commercial fiction, that's why it's so important that this one succeeds because it'll give us a bigger market for our messaging. Yeah. And like you said, uh, it's an autobiography likely isn't going to crack the New York times bestseller list. And also, uh, people, people will line up to buy, call me Hunter, the non-hunter, but they probably aren't going to line up to buy your autobiography. Just the very nature of it's not their sort of wheelhouse of people they follow. Right. So that, that's hundred percent. It, it, it's choosing your, it's controlling your market and, and, uh, your reach and, and, once they've accepted that, then it's a lot more difficult for people to throw you under the bus. And they, if they like that, then, oh, well, that means you don't like the person that did that, but you like that. Well, it's cognitive dissonance. It, it, it's a hypocrisy. So, so it's, it, it'll be interesting. It's never been done. It's a bit of a social experience, experiment. We'll see how, uh, how it all goes. But Again, you know, it's all predicated on the success of Call Me Hunter. And I know if there's any anti-hunters out there listening out there, we got to stop. We got to protest it all you want because, you know, who, who was it? Mark Twain, Samuel Clements said, any press is good press. Just spell my name right. Uh, so <laughs> so the, if it's controversial, it's controversial. I, and what are you going to do? Send me home? Like, like really? I, I, I just... It's not a, that's not a, uh, a threat that I'm, I'm worried about. You, you can't cancel me. I, I know who I am. It's, uh, it, they'll make it difficult to spread the message, but then we have our own ways of doing that, to reaching out there. If everybody supports something, if we bend together, if we unify this, it, like, I, I know, I know it's a little self-serving, but I, I just think we need, we need to have a voice out there and, and and it needs to be someone who can articulate what we all believe in and what we stand for the 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 true naturalist which is what we are you know we're hunters we hunt yes but we're naturalists every single one of us is a naturalist and and that's 
something that people respect. We just have to explain that uh, we're not louts that spit on the floor with no higher sensibilities. We actually intellectually are, are capable of dealing with the responsibility of conservation and we walk the walk on top of it. So we're capable of the operation side of being naturalists. And again, that, that gets a little philosophical, but, uh, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're, we're, we just need to band together and, and unify. Excellent. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned Jack Carr earlier and, and Jack's done a good job and he touches on the hunting stuff. But at the end of the day, Jack, his, I guess, background is he was uh, a seal. He was, you know, so he's he's not the dyed in the wool hunter that Jim Shockey is. It's a different, a def different, definitely a different message. You know, you look at Jack, you know, all the behind the stuff scenes. He's talking about the Marines and the military and seals and and teams and all that stuff. So it's, you know, an interview with Jim Shockey is going to be quite a bit different than an interview with Jack Carr, which is really positive for the hunting community. I, I think so. And, and you know, kudos to Jack for doing what he's done because he went out on a limb having a main character, you know, essentially an anti-hero that, that is a hunter. I mean, name one other novel where the hunter is not, you know, the Lion King kind of hunter or Bambi killer, you know, that just doesn't fall right into lockstep with the stereotyping that we've been dealing with since Bambi came out, which, by the way, Bambi was written by an Austrian. Like Google the history of Bambi. It's, it's pathetic what they did when they changed the storyline when mm -hmm. it came to North America. It, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, again, we, we've, we've just, our, our message has been, we've been bullied and we haven't stood up to the bully. And, and I'm not saying you have to punch him in the nose, but, but you need to stand up and be fearless when you're dealing with that kind of thing. And, and Jack was you know, absolutely. And is, you know, his latest, I, I can't wait to his latest one. I think is, I think it's dropping today. His is it? Release, yeah. It's it, yeah. Yeah. In the blood is releasing today. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's done wonders for us. You know, he, mm -hmm. he started that. He started the first little, you know, uh, he's, well, he's proven that you can cross over from the military side into the hunting side and, and it's still acceptable and makes great TV and, and it sells, which makes the money people money. And that's what they really care about. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 he, our interviews would be different, but we're kindred spirits in so many other ways. I mean, we also have the, that writing bug in our, you know, in our DNA that we have that in common. So it's pretty fun for him and I to sit down and talk now, you know, I, it's like, it's like uh, some college golfer on the golf team talking to Tiger Woods. You know, when I'm talking to to, to Jack Carr in terms of his novel, he's so successful. <laughs> but yeah. you know, in in other ways, you know that that sort of peerness balances. You know, maybe I did more hunting than him. He did more military, obviously. Uh, um, he certainly no. I mean, I. I don't know anything about a hawk and cockler handgun, you know, all that stuff. I don't know any of that, uh, but I know firearms, you know, so, so we just, we bring different perspectives to the table. I think that rounds out the characters that we both write about. Mm -hmm. um, 
so on that note, he's obviously made success in the in the novel world. He's crossed over to mainstream media with the film. Call Me Hunter, is it going to be on the big screen? Where is the vision for that? Let's see. I, I was informed uh, about three months ago that there were two big producers. Uh, one, one on, I, I can't even say the networks, but whatever the distribution, the one streaming and one not, um, that were looking at it. But we didn't have the advanced reader copies yet which is ARCS, that's the short acronym for it. So I, I don't know. I, the um, protagonist in my novel is a young lady, uh, uh, you know, First Nations Métis, I guess you'd, you'd call her uh, to a degree, um, and a strong, strong woman with a strong, strong sidekick uh, named Luba. Nyala is the protagonist. Luba is the her sidekick. Um, the anti-hero is a hunter, the villain is an animal rights anti-hunter, activist, extremist. So, you know, it's made for TV, but it goes against what the ideology, that goes against the ideologies that, um, that are so prevalent in, in the mainstream media. So we, we'll see. I mean, can you, they, they think it's made for TV, made for a series made for a movie. And I've written it uh, with a cinematographic eye. Um, so so it's, it's a visual novel when you're reading it. Michael Crichton actually wrote Jurassic Park and he said he doesn't write a cinematic novel uh, and nor does he write a complex, or does he, he, and he doesn't do a complicated uh, movie. So, he, he, but, but, and Michael Crichton, I mean, I've met the guy back when he was alive. Um, he, you know, he's a smart guy, about as smart as they come, but I disagree with him on that. I think you can write a cinematic novel and, and it, um, I think if you do it right, people see as they're reading it. So again, we're getting into some pretty deep conversation about writing here and, and uh, cinematography, but but I, I think my novel is, is very visual when you read it. And I think it's it's kind of a no-brainer to make it into a series. But the characters of flip-flop what's popular, you know, who, who who do you want to have as the villain? Well, the hunter. Who do you want to have as the, the hero? Well, the you know, the one that is the animal rights extremist going against the bad hunter. Well, that's been 60 years now of that since Bambi. And and I think the world's ready. Jack Carr has proven it. They're ready for uh, flip flopping those those roles and and maybe being a little more open open minded. So we'll see. You know, how's that for going round and round your question <laughs> and not really answering it? And and there's things I'm not privy to say, so I can't say them. But um, but uh, it, there's I can say that absolutely the um, networks are going to be looking at my novel as potential for television and possibly movie and i would guess from a publishing perspective the publisher would be all over it because if it makes the mainstream it's just going to be good for book sales as well right so it's just going to uh, well, they yeah. they have their own i mean i've got my agent esther who's also working on that but simon and schuster has their division that does those connections as well so they're all it's about it's about 
the dollar. So, mm-hmm. so if they think there's a possibility of getting this uh, turned into a movie, there's dollars for everybody concerned. Uh, like I say, my dollars so far have worked out to about a dollar fifty an hour for the amount of work <laughs> that it takes. It, it's probably the least profitable thing I've ever done since I was fourteen years old and and uh, working as a lifeguard at, at Riversdale Pool in Saskatoon. Uh, even actually, that's not true because I was getting a dollar seventy five an hour then. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, and that was in those days dollars. So. So, you know, I, I, and I don't care about the money. As I said, Louise and I are donating everything we have. Um, Bran and Eva have already been told and made aware that if they want to see their inheritance, go on down to our hand to man museum here on Vancouver Island. You walk <laughs> through your, you look at your inheritance every single day. <laughs> yeah, speak, yeah. Speaking of that, Evie actually asked me, she said, well, there's maybe some things that, you know, I want to take, you know, down to our place in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I, I said, listen, you know, there's pieces here that, need to stay in Canada. So depending on what you're choosing, but you, you want to pick a Dukabor, uh, Sunduki uh, chunk, Sunduk, um, it, that can't leave Canada. It, it's got to stay up here. And, and, and that's because it's, you're only a steward of these things while you're alive. And your responsibility is to make sure that, and to ensure that they're kept in a place where they're appreciated, not lost into the ages where, you know, 100 years from now, a Duke of War trunk shows up at an auction in in Raleigh, North Carolina, and nobody knows what it is and just calls it a, a Russian immigrant trunk, which it's not. You know, it's made by the Duke of War people here in Canada and, and is a significant, you know, I wouldn't say national art treasure, but certainly significant for our culture in Canada. So, so yeah, the, the uh, it's not about the money. For me, it never never has been. We give it all away. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I know we're getting long on time here, Jim, and you got uh, important meetings coming up, but one last one for you. So I've heard lots about audiobooks, and Rogan talks about this all the time about uh, the author has to narrate his own audiobook. So I was encouraged to hear that at the very least, you're, you'll probably be one of the characters, but uh, you know, that novel narrated by you would be fantastic. So it'd be uh yeah, I'd love to hear that. It's going hey, in that hey, direction anyway. Hey, hey, Kyle, what what part of the protagonist is a young lady in her twenties? <laughs> didn't didn't you hear? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I can't get my voice up too high, and nor would it sound it would be disingenuous to. But but I, I I read the my novel. In fact, just recently to Louise, um, read it out loud on. It was the the first copy edit uh, version, and, and looking for potential mistakes i have to read it out loud to to get the cadence and know where i want to italicize words and and to and again find any misspellings you know just wrong syntax so i read it out loud to louise and i know i could read it i do if someone would properly explain to me the the pronunciations of these words because <laughs> i mean i don't know how to even say them the the proper name for the salish people here on the coast Hits scowl and you know I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. So if somebody will do that. I think I could read it. Um, I did read it for Louise, and I know the characters. I mean, they're I know them inside out. I wrote them. I created them. Um, on that said, there's professionals like Scott Brick, and that's what I'm going to be uh, trying to push for on my uh, Zoom call here within an hour uh, with with the powers that be on the audio book division of. Simon and Schuster, I, 
I would love to see him read the book and me read the italicized section segments, which is the character Tizu, which I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name. That's how I've always pronounced it. Uh, the Man of Sores, um, Hunter Icarus. Like this is one character with three separate names. I think I can read that because I think nobody else can. And I think I should um, because I, I don't believe anybody else could do it justice for that anti-hero. Um, I mean, I've lived the life, I, you know, and, and this novel is based a lot on fact. I say it's 80% fact and 20% fiction. And you'll know the fiction because anything that could uh, put somebody in jail, that's fiction. So, so it's, uh, you know, I think I can read that part, but their idea right now is to have seven different actors, actresses read the various parts, but then you have to have a narrator. And, and it, this is a complicated novel. It's, it's actually closer to literature than it is uh, to commercial fiction. I ended up in commercial fiction by default because 10 different publishers of literature uh, said didn't read it. They said, no, we will never publish this because they've Googled me and said he's too famous, as their quote-unquote words, to be able to write literature. That's what they said. That's that's what they said. It's like, mm. it's like so you're saying that somebody, if they have uh, you know a million followers on social media, they're incapable of writing something intellectual. Is that what you're saying? And and that's what they were saying. Uh, so so. Yeah, they turned it down, 10 of them. And then that's why we ended up in commercial fiction. And they all said the same thing, put it in commercial fiction. And and because they love when someone's got a million followers on or 1.2 million followers on social media. So mm -hmm. so I don't know. I mean, yeah, we'll 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 see how it all pans out. I'm I'm a babe in this in this woods, but I'm used to woods. So we'll we'll see how it all all plays out in the in the long run. Oh, very exciting. Uh, looking forward to, to hearing more on it. What's, are you hitting the, how does the circuit work for promoting the book and getting out and doing the tour? When does that all come? Is that down the road once the releases or when it's imminent? How does that work? Well, I'm, I'm the author, so I'm on a need to know basis on that. But, but <laughs> the June, early June marketing meeting will probably clear a lot of that up. They're already talking about two weeks on the road. And I've already told them that if I'm going to be two weeks on the road, I want to go to every Bass Pro and Cabela's store in the area to do personal appearances at those stores rather than at the regular bookstores, or maybe in conjunction with the regular bookstores. So maybe it's a month long tour to be able to do all that. I don't know. I, I see Jack Carr uh, promoting his book on at various bookstores uh, and, and, it's awesome to see. He posted the other day. I mean, it was a big auditorium filled with people holding his book and waving. And that's cool. I think that's independent bookstores. I'm not sure. But uh, I definitely want to reach as many of our people as I can. If I'm going to be on the road, I want to meet our people as well, not just the people that aren't part of our world. And, and like I say, try and amalgamate the two bring those people to Cabela's and, and, and Bass Pro Shops and bring our people to the various bookstores that are going to be selling Call Me Hunter. It's good for us. It's good to mix. It's good for them to realize, hey, you know, these people do have higher sensibilities and, and we can't just 
read what we read in popular mainstream that, and the stereotypical louts that we believe all hunters are, you know, kill the animal, cut its head off, leave the meat and do, you know, we, we have to, we have to start showing them that we're, and, and as I said, if we unify, we can make this world a much, much better place. So I, I'm hoping to bring the two non-hunters and the hunters together at these various uh, bookstores, appearances, whatever I have to do on, on the the promotional tour. And, and all that's, of course, predicated on how Louise is doing, because that is my priority in, in our lives right now. So we'll, we'll see. But I, I do think I have to be on the road promoting. And I'm kind of looking forward to that. Um, I, I haven't done that for a long time. Uh, even at the conventions, I sort of, you know, haven't been able to go for the last four years. So so I'm, I'm looking forward to to meeting everybody out there and, and let, let's and, and showing these publishers how strong we are and, and again, how unified we are, how supportive we are of one of our own. I, I think it's cool. Our kindred spirits all getting together, mixing with with people that don't understand us and, and giving us a chance to show them who we are. I think it's awesome. You know, it's it's a olive branch. It's a reaching across of the hands. Who, who, who was it that did that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Michelangelo, Sistine Chapel. So so if if we can do that, it, I think it'll, as I said from the beginning, help hunters and help the perception of hunting in the non-hunting world. Absolutely, Jim. Well, uh, we can't thank you enough for everything you do. Um, and you got me brainstorming. I, you know, I don't know how this works or what it might look like, but, uh, you know, the society would love to do something you know, maybe a book signing with you in some capacity on a pub night, or I don't know what that looks like on the Island here, but let's chat more on that. Once you sort of, uh, the books out and we can get access to it. And, uh, cause I know people would show up in droves to, to get your book and get you sign it and hear you talk a little bit about it. It'd be fantastic. It would be fun. And I, I'm looking forward to it. As I said, this, this is my calling in life, this book and the next one. And then if I still have any bandwidth after that, I'll, I'll, probably throw my hat in the political ring and see if we can make some changes at that level. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. Can't, can't wait. It, it'll be so gratifying to see the various entities in our outdoor world getting together. And, and like I say, unifying and speaking with one voice, it'll be, it'll, I, I just would feel, uh, I don't know, sated satisfied that i i spent my life in a in a good way and did good things awesome well thank you so much jim i appreciate your time today and just can't wait uh i'll be just yeah i can't i just get so excited looking at the novel and hearing all about it so just can't wait for that to come out oh good and what will and i promise next podcast i won't be so long-winded about the novel we can talk about i think on our list here we had like three other things to talk about spring bears all these other things and and uh we'll just have to do another one of these podcasts and i'm available anytime you guys do great work i'm a huge supporter big fan awesome well we sure appreciate it and yeah absolutely i had a list of things and it just you know it was clear once we started talking about the book there's nothing else i want to talk about so i uh one of your biggest fans for sure and i just can't wait for it so thank you for all you do jim oh you bet Good to see you again, Kyle. Likewise.